Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The waiting is over. The New York Rangers are the Stanley Cup champions. And this one will last a lifetime. Hey everybody, this is Arthur Staple, New York hockey columnist from The Athletic. Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Garden Faithful, your new Rangers podcast from The Athletic. I'll be here every week. We'll have some great guests. My producer, Chris Flannery, is along for the ride. Big Ranger fan. He knows all about the Rangers, so we're going to bring him on in a little bit too. Before we get started, I just want to let you know, today's premiere episode of The Garden Faithful is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. We'll jump right in. The Rangers are currently sitting at 28, 12, and 4, uh, 1 and 2 in their last three. Uh, the, they did beat Seattle on Sunday afternoon 3 to 2, even though that was probably the game they deserved to lose the most of the three that they've played in the last uh, week or so. The loss in Columbus, 5 uh, 3 loss, followed by a 3 2 loss at home to Minnesota on Henrik Lundqvist night. We'll get into more about Henrik Lundqvist night in a little while. Uh, tonight, their last game before a pretty long break, two weeks for them for the All-Star break and then what was going to be the Olympic break. Um, they didn't have a lot of games to make up like some other teams did. So uh, tonight is Florida, the Florida Panthers, probably the hottest team in the league, most prolific scoring team in the league coming into the Garden. And then a two-week break uh, for the Rangers to rest, get healthy, which they actually need because they've got a couple of key injuries right here um, that have hurt them a lot. Uh, most notably, obviously, as Adam Fox, who uh, took a, a what looked like a pretty innocuous hit along the wall at the beginning of the third period in Columbus. Vladislav Gavrikov hit him. It was a clean hit. They just kind of pressed against the boards. You don't want to speculate on what it was. The team called it upper body. He went off the ice then. Was listed day to day afterwards. Gerard Glant was, you know, fairly optimistic given the fact that he that Fox missed the whole third period. The next day, he immediately went on injured reserve, which tells you that this was probably going to be more of a, a week-long, a seven- to ten-day thing, and that took them out of uh, Fox being able to play in these last three games before the break. So why not put him on IR? See what else you could do. Uh, nobody can fill Adam Fox's skates, certainly on this team. And I think uh, as we go along with our show and through the next uh, few months and into the playoffs, uh, Adam Fox is going to be someone we talk about a lot because he's not posting the the same sort of metrics that he had last year when he was uh, a Norris Trophy winner. But uh, he when he went out, he was leading the league in points for a defenseman. 
I think the power play, which is still operating reasonably well and produced a goal, I think, in each of the the three games, the two games that he missed. Um, but I think there's some plays that you can see at five on five. His just his escapability, um, his vision on the ice, it, it can't be replicated. And uh, it, it's been a it's been a difficult struggle for them in general this season at five on five, even with Fox on the ice, but especially without him on the ice. And if you take him out of the lineup. And he's not on the ice at all. Obviously, for the for the full sixty of these last two games, you can see some of the results where um, they played a good first period against the against the Wild. Uh, maybe a little bit of adrenaline there too from the Lundqvist ceremony, and then the Wild really dominated the second and a lot of the third into the last little bit. Uh, and then Seattle was just kind of a gong show, you know, against uh, a hardworking but very offensively challenged Kraken team. If they had played that game against anybody else in the league, maybe with a couple of exceptions, but I think you're looking at probably a four or five, two loss as good as Shesterkin, Igor Shesterkin was in that game. So Fox is a big hole. Capocacco, whose production hasn't been great, but I think um, as I've pointed out uh, in my stories in the last couple of weeks, he's just a guy who slots other people in the way that they need to be slotted. Um, 14 points is not enough for a guy who's been playing mostly on the top line or at least almost exclusively in the top six all season long. Um, whatever injury that knocked him onto IR about a week and a half ago, uh, Gallant said it was nagging him. And maybe that's something that we can look at and say, OK, this is the reason he wasn't finishing very well or not making some of his power moves than that that he'd been making earlier in the year. But when you're playing with with Kreider and with Mika Zibanejad, uh, even though those guys eat up a lot of the points and have the puck a lot, you got to be able to, to produce a little bit better than 14 points in half a season. So um, the production part has not been there. I think the rest of Capocacco's game has been there. Uh, and again, having him out forces the Rangers to do things like either push up Artemi Panarin and make kind of a monster first line, which didn't really work, I think, in this last little stretch. Um Philip Heedle being out too, and I, you know he may be back tonight, but uh, his absence, I think too, even though he's been a disappointment production-wise, I think it just when you're starting to to look at what they've got left behind those guys, when you've got Alexi Lafreniere and Barkley Goodrow who have bounced around quite a bit and been okay in spurts, Goodrow probably a little bit better in some in some of those top six spots than Lafreniere has on a consistent basis. And then it's the rest. It's Dryden Hunt. It's Julian Gauthier. It's Ryan Reeves. It's Kevin Rooney. It's Greg McKegg. Morgan Barron has been there a little bit. A couple of the other call-up guys from from kind of the COVID protocol problems. Tim Gettinger, Johnny Brzezinski, um, Anthony Greco got in there for a game. Not exactly a deep bench for the Rangers, and that even includes guys that are that are in the lineup every night. It's just not a, a it's not a, a group that you expect to produce. It's not a group that has produced. I think Kevin Rooney. Uh, been stuck on six goals for about a month now. Uh, Ryan Reeves has two goals, had them both in the same game. Um, Dryden Hunt had a couple of the goals early in the season and really has kind of gone cold and bounced around more to the bottom of the lineup. Um, you know, so Gallant, I think, has struggled to find consistency and there's uh, injury and COVID have really hurt that. But um, Kako's absence is uh, is a hard one to, to kind of to have them overcome because they're so thin up front. And uh, we can get in, our, in a little bit in our next segment about some trade possibilities since the Rangers have a lot of options uh, as far as cap space, as far as assets, uh, and are sitting in a pretty good spot considering where people might have thought they'd been through the, through the All-Star break. So um, those absences haven't been good. And I think the overall five-on-five five play, um, you know, they're down near the bottom of the league in terms of shot share, what people sometimes call Corsi. 
Um, they're in the low forties in terms of, you know, percentage of shots that they, that they have uh, versus the other team at five on five and their power play has been great. Their penalty kill has been great, mostly because Igor Shosturkin has been great. Uh, and Shosturkin has obviously been their MVP, despite some of the, uh, the high flying totals that you're getting from their high end guys in Zibanejad and Panarin in Kreider leading the league in goals, which is an amazing accomplishment. Uh, Fox, Ryan Strom. Uh, they've got some high, high-end guys, but it's been Shesterkin, and even at that, uh, can they sustain the way that they play through the rest of the season, which is going to be a condensed run to the finish line? They're going to see a lot more of the Carolinas and the Pittsburghs, uh, the teams that they're vying for playoff positioning with. Um, and, you know, I think judging by the Carolina game not that long ago where they really got their doors blown off down there uh, for two and a half periods, they need to they need to be able to shore things up. So I think um, we can get into additions from the outside versus slotting the guys properly when they're at full health, uh, which it seems they will be coming out of the break. Um, but uh, but up front, you know, it's it's a it's a special teams and high end guy kind of show where you don't really see a lot from the third and fourth lines, especially with Kako out with Heedle out. Um, and as far as their defense goes, with Fox out, uh, you know. Certainly a revelation in these last 10 games has been Braden Schneider. I'd heard a lot from scouts who watched him play in the AHL, um, people who were around the Rangers when he was drafted. This is a guy that uh, that they feel is special. You know, he's he's maybe not going to be uh, an Adam Fox type, certainly, but he's got the he's got the brains and he's got the hockey IQ and he's got the size to be a top four guy on the right side for a long time to come. They don't really have a lot of room for that kind of player, so we'll, we'll have to see if he's a guy who's... Uh, Willing to play the left side, move around a little bit. I'm sure he'd do anything to stay in the NHL, but I, there's a lot of feeling of having watched him play his first few games that this is not a guy who's going to see the AHL very much anymore, even if he, there's not a a set spot for him. He's uh, been very good. A little bit of a struggle, I think, his first game with Ryan Lindgren with Fox out, but that's a big jump. Um, for right now, I think he's kind of the ideal third-pair guy, and it's hard to see a team in the league that's got a better right side than Fox, Jacob Truba, and Schneider when Schneider starts to get up to speed. So um, it's uh, that's certainly been a plus. And, uh, and on the left side, you know, I think Keandre Miller, he's the topic of a lot of conversation in the comment section on my stories on Twitter, a guy with uh, arguably the highest ceiling of any of the young Rangers defensemen, and he's certainly playing some heavy minutes and playing them alongside Truba, I think, has helped him a bit. But there has been some egregious mistakes. You know, I don't, I don't know that the, that his awareness is, is the best um, kind of a contrast to Adam Fox, whose, whose best asset really is his awareness. And obviously he's got incredibly physically, physical gifts, but I think Miller has, you know, had a breakaway there in the Seattle game and then ended up scoring the winner um, from the point on a really nice shot. These, this is a guy who's got uh, incredible, incredible potential and a super high ceiling and when the conversations come, as they will in our second segment, about possibly trading him to upgrade in that top four on the left side or just down the road, whether they can afford to keep him uh, if they make some other additions. Um, it's, uh, it's, a real, it's a real 50-50 call, I think. Uh, I, I think the fan base is pretty evenly split about what they see Miller's potential could be or what he, how he fits in. But I think for now, you're looking at a guy who's um, – who's you know really got a lot of a lot of gifts like i said a lot of uh good skill and i think those mistakes when he's able to erase them because he's so physically gifted um you know that that's part of the growing pains of of having a young defenseman like that and several young defensemen like they have you know i think of all of the d 
uh, and we talk about you know their five on five play really wanting uh, Patrick Nemeth, who's currently non roster due to personal reasons. He's really had a struggle on that third pair, and I think whoever's been paired with him has really you know kind of had their game dip a bit a bit a little bit. Whether it's been Nils Lundqvist. Whether it's been Zach Jones, Libor Hayek, um, you know, I think they're going to have to sort some things out on that third pair. Uh, and ha- not having Nemeth there at least gives some of those younger guys a little bit more of a chance. You've seen Jones and Zach Jones and Libor Hayek there. Uh, Long term, can they compete in a seven game series again with two of those guys on that third pair? Not entirely sure. You know, it's uh, it's definitely an opportunity for the for the Rangers to upgrade for Chris Jury to to look around and see that there's a lot of potential rentals out on the market to, to bring in and, um, you know, maybe even some guys that are not rentals. But uh, I think it's kind of the way to sum up this team as we start our first episode of the, of the Garden Faithful is they've been very good uh, in very specific spots, but I think overall uh, there's some holes that need fixing. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So now we'll sort of dig into what uh, what the Rangers' situation is with about six weeks, seven weeks left until the March 21st trade deadline. Uh, the Rangers' team has been thrown into just about every trade rumor imaginable, and I think that makes sense, whether it's based in reality that Chris Drury has been talking to a lot of teams or, or whether it's just you look at cap-friendly like I'm doing right now. Um, you know, they're, they're staring at they can add almost $13 million in contracts right now and that number is going to continue to grow as we get towards the towards the deadline um they've got some holes as we discussed uh you know sort of the most glaring ones third pair on the left side if they wanted somebody to be a little bit stronger than patrick nemeth back there um and then anywhere in the you know you could get anyone from a a top line winger right wing preferably uh, all the way on down to third and fourth line reinforcements because they don't seem to have enough there so there's let's get into some names. You know, the the one a couple of names that I've heard quite concretely that they've had conversations on are Arturi Lekkanen, uh up in Montreal, who's a restricted free agent, a guy who's been a middle six winger for his entire career, has had some good moments, was uh, kind of a key contributor to their their Stanley Cup run last year. Is a ten to fifteen goal guy every season. I think his numbers this year are terrible, but he plays on one of the worst teams in the league, so forgivable. Um, and the other one that seems to have generated a lot of heat and curiously so is Jacob Chikrin uh, out in Arizona. They were just in the in the garden not long ago. Um, he is a left defenseman, been a top pair guy for the Coyotes, but that's not a real achievement. Um, guy with 18 goals in the shortened season last year. Um, 
and has a very affordable contract going forward three years at four point three more years at four point six million per. Lekkonen is a restricted free agent. Now we talk about all this cap space that the Rangers have right now. Um, that's going to start to disappear uh, next season. <laughs> And even though it looks like they have a decent amount, you're you're looking at a situation where they're probably not going to keep Alexander Georgiev as their backup. He wants to go elsewhere. Um, his qualifying numbers up in the twos. That's a little bit steep, I think, for a guy who's very going to you know a spot that's very clearly the backup to Shesterkin. Um, so you probably see him go and try to replace him a, a little bit cheaper. Uh, Kako needs a new contract after. This coming season, after 22-23, Keandre Miller needs a new contract. Ryan Strom needs a new contract. Uh, and then any of those number of, of kind of one-year wingers, fill-in guys, um, need to be replaced up front. And Strom, if he comes in, you know, he's going to have to – there's certainly been talk, and, and we confirmed it earlier, you know, several weeks ago, more than more than that, I think, um, when it was very preliminary that's, that they, that – Jury and, and Strom's agent had had some conversations. I think they've continued. If he stays, you'd have to think it was going to be something that begins with a five, which is not a huge raise for a guy who's produced pretty well and has obviously, um, you know, rides a pretty good shotgun in the middle there to Panarin on that second line. So if the Rangers value Strom and Strom values what he has with the Rangers, uh, I'm sure he'd be willing to take something closer to five than, than six per, which he'd probably get on the open market. But then you're talking, do you have to extend it beyond three years, four years? Are we talking maybe even five years to make it worthwhile? Um, you know, it's a difficult spot. And then um, for a lower cap number, you talk about throwing in some trade protection and that, you know, if things start to go south, that's probably a guy you'd want to get rid of because you might have something, somebody younger, more enticing come forward. But, um, you know, and Kako, uh, like we talked about, production is low. He's now injured even when he comes back, unless he goes on a huge tear at the end of the season and into the playoffs, um, you'd have to think it's going to be a, a bridge deal for his second contract and maybe even not a two-year deal, a one-year deal, something like $3 million. Maybe you could even get him for two and a half at this point. Um, could even be two. You know, it's uh, He hasn't really proven a whole lot in terms of, this, in terms of the numbers. So um, that at least gives the Rangers a little bit more flexibility going forward. However, when you're talking about a guy like Chikrin, um, it's still complicating because he's runs a few years longer and then you've got Keandre Miller and great for the short term to have Chikrin as your third pair guy or rejigger things where you've got Ryan Lindgren, Miller, Chikrin, and you can, you know, apportion the minutes however you want. But beyond the end of the end of the season and the playoff run, what do you do then? Because you've already established that Keandre Miller can play 20 minutes a night, which he's been doing a lot. Ryan Lindgren is Adam Fox's partner and I don't think that's going to change. Uh, and Jacob Chikrin is probably not going to go from being a, a top pair guy in Arizona who could potentially score 20 goals as a defenseman to a third pair guy here. And more importantly, a third pair guy who gets almost no power play time because nobody's taken Adam Fox's spot on that top power play unit. So there's some pitfalls to planning to acquire a defenseman who's got term. Uh, as far as defensemen that don't have term that fit, uh, Montreal, again, Ben Sherratt is a guy whose uh, name comes up a lot as a, as a pending UFA who certainly I think would would take a move somewhere else. He's a lefty shot. I'm sure he'd be a guy that, that could eat some five-on-five five minutes and maybe stabilize some things. Um, Canadians probably looking for a first-round pick, and you throw in the idea that uh, Chris Drury, uh, is the guy that he replaced in Jeff Gordon, is running the show now in Montreal, although they have a, a GM and former agent Kent Hughes, but 
Gorton's kind of the top of the food chain there now. Will he drive a very hard bargain before he gives up his uh, his one of his better assets to his old team? I'm sure he if he wants if he's trying to get a first round pick, uh, that's what they'll stick to, whether it's the Rangers or someone else. Um, Calvin DeHaan in Chicago uh, is another one who probably wouldn't cost a first round pick, even if the Hawks were looking for one. You'd think more like a, a low second or even something below that. I don't think the Rangers have their third this coming year, but there's another stopgap guy who's pending UFA. Uh, and Seattle was just in Mark Giordano, who was a guy that I think uh, the Rangers had some pretty serious talks on around the time of uh, the expansion draft when Seattle took him and then named him their first captain. Uh, Seattle's obviously going nowhere this year, although they played really well against the Rangers the other night. Giordano is an older guy and I believe he's what, 37, 38. Um, again, on an expiring deal, Seattle wants a first round pick for him. Um, if there's enough suitors, I'm sure that they could get it. So that's a big decision for the Rangers, whether you want to spend that big an asset on a guy who's going to come in and be your third, basically your third pair guy. You know, if, if they feel their depth is good enough, um, Certainly from a from an off-ice leadership standpoint, bringing in a guy like Giordano to a pretty young team makes a lot of sense. But is it worth the first-round pick? That's uh, that's debatable. When you look up front, beyond Lekkanen, I think a name that has been out there a lot is Tomas Hurdle in San Jose. Um, I think just from a practical standpoint, uh, there's a few red flags. This is a guy who's definitely going to be it's going to be a first-plus. So... Um, you're probably spending all of your good assets on making that deal, whether it's a first and, and say Zach Jones or first and Nils Lundqvist uh, and hurdle is a pending UFA. So there's no guarantees beyond this season. And he is a bona fide top line guy. He's been, uh, you know, a top two center in San Jose for a long time and center being the operative word, because that's where he plays and the Rangers have Zibanejad and the Rangers have Strom. So uh, if hurdle is coming here, someone's moving to the wing and it's probably hurdle. Um, has he played any on the right side? I don't really know, um, but I can be pretty assured that a guy who's a center is probably not played a ton on the on the right on his off wing. Um, and he's a guy who, you know, plays a lot of power play. He does a lot of little things for San Jose. I think the reason that it would be a big commitment and probably a situation where you're not trading for this guy to not sign him. So if the Rangers go out and get Tomas Hurdle, I can't imagine they're giving up all those assets to rent him. Probably waving goodbye to Ryan Strom at that point and trying to sign Hurdle instead of Strom, which is, you know, I think that's probably an upgrade. Hurdle's a, a super talented player. But in the short term, I think that it feels like an odd fit because is he going to play on that first power play unit? If they put him in Ryan Strom's spot, you might as well trade Ryan Strom because I don't know what sort of value Ryan Strom has to you if you start taking things away from him in, in a season that's been pretty good. Um, so, you know, it's it, there's definitely some upside, uh, a ton of upside to acquire a super talented guy like that. But it's also some downside, whether you want to go so big that you've that you've altered some of the chemistry that you've got going. And that's that's always a debate for any GM and, and jury being a first year GM. You know, that would be a bold first step for his first trade deadline to to take one of the one of the better liked guys in Strom and basically say, we're acquiring somebody to take your spot, but you got to play with them for the rest of the season. So difficult situation, I think, to to sort of navigate. If you're looking for guys that are a little bit more strictly fit in a role, most you know, kind of pressingly on the right side where they have, haven't really gotten a lot of production and a lot of consistency. Um, Riley Smith in Vegas. Uh, Vegas may have some, some cap issues when Jack Eichel comes back. 
that sounds like it's not going to happen until March. If Vegas can can play as well as they've been playing and hold out and have Eichel come back after the trade deadline when the salary cap, uh, you know, concerns go away, uh, that would be huge for them. But if they had to make a move, Riley Smith is a pending UFA uh, and probably someone that uh, on the free agent market that the Rangers would look at, I think, even if they don't get him at this trade deadline, he's a guy who's a right wing and a very consistent scorer, has played with a lot of super talented guys over the course of his career. Uh, you know, played a lot in Florida with, um, I think he was on a, a great line with Nick Bukestad, uh, not their highest end guy, but that was Florida's second line back in the in the middle 2000s when they when they won a division title. Um, he's been very consistent with William Carlson and, and Jonathan March, so pretty much since Vegas was formed uh, under Gerard Gallant. So I think Gallant knows what he had, what he would have in Riley Smith. Um, you know, and then you're kind of looking at maybe a couple of wild cards, a guy like Phil Kessel in Arizona. Does he fit what the Rangers need? Um, he certainly has a lot of offensive gifts, and I think he's a better rounded player than a lot of people think. But uh, but from a an off ice um, you know commitment standpoint. Maybe the jury's out a little bit. He's certainly been performing well in Arizona, where they things haven't really gone according to plan at all. So, um, you know, and I think even beyond that, are the are the Rangers going to investigate whether Claude Giroux would want to come there? I highly doubt it. Giroux controls where he could go. It certainly sounds like Giroux and the Avalanche uh, have a match if that's what Giroux chooses. I doubt Giroux would say yes to a trade from Philly and then go to one of their local rivals in the Rangers, but it certainly would be interesting. Uh, you know, I think in Vancouver, JT Miller's name has been out there, former Ranger. Um, I think there's these next couple of weeks for the Canucks, whether they can kind of stay on that high that they, that they were on with Bruce Brujo coming in. Um, you know, that's another one that's going to cost a lot for the Rangers and then kind of be a, a, maybe a make or break trade with Ryan Strom's future here. So again, I don't know. If you're a cautious type, and Chris Drury seems to be somewhat cautious, um, I don't know if you're going to start breaking things up in a season that's been going pretty well, but we have to see. You know, there's going to be a lot of games played when they get back on the ice on the 15th between then and closer to the trade deadline to do some more evaluation. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, and for our last segment, I'm going to bring in my able producer for all these years, going back to our podcast with the Islanders. Uh, he's much happier now that we've got the Garden Faithful going. <laughs> Chris Flannery, welcome to the show. This is an exciting time for us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's very, uh, it is a very exciting time. I, I really enjoyed working with you on the Islanders podcast. But as you mentioned off the top, I'm uh, a lifelong Rangers fan, so this is a uh, really cool moment to uh, be talking about them uh, on the podcast with you. So Chris has been paying attention to the Rangers for a lot more detailed time than I when I was off covering that other New York team for many years. So, um, and as a huge fan, Chris, the Henrik Lundqvist ceremony night. You know, I'm I'm watching it uh, from my couch, unfortunately, because we were in a bit of COVID protocol in our house. But um, you know, it, it was a great ceremony. Obviously, this is a guy who 
leaves nothing to chance, left nothing to chance in his very long, successful Ranger career. He seemed to leave nothing to chance. Family looked perfect. Parents looked perfect. Had the right speeches from from Kevin Weeks. Sam Rosen did his usual great job. His speech was on point, super classy. The gifts were nice. Uh, sounds like there were a lot of guys that, that he cited, um, but you didn't really see that that came in. Dan Girardi, Marty Baron, John Tortorella was there. As a fan, what did you make of it and what did it kind of bring up for you wifing watch Lundquist for all those years? Yeah, you, you said it right. I mean, the the ceremony definitely fit the person that it was honoring. I think, you know, it was it was tight. Everybody did the right thing. The like you said, the gifts, the, the Louis Vuitton trunk. I was like, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> that that fits the man perfectly. Um, yeah, you know, it's it, obviously the a bunch of the legends uh, have already had their their numbers retired. The the Graves, the Leeches, the Messiers, the Richters. And, and you know, that was a big part of my childhood. But watching you know, Henrik Lundqvist play his entire career. I mean, I, you know, I could probably count how many games I missed on, on, you know, two hands over the course of his career. So, you know, to see him play his entire time with the Rangers and, and watch him just night after night, you know, make saves that probably just went unnoticed. You know, I think he would, oftentimes you'd watch him, he'd have those first periods where, you know, he'd stop 16, 17 shots and, you know, then the team would kind of find their legs in the second and third period and they'd win the game and, and nobody really thought about it. But those are the things that, you know, over the course of his career, you watch and you, you just see him play every night. It's so special. So, um, you know, of course, he's the most deserving uh, and probably the only one deserving of that honor from from the era where they go to the final and, um, you know, obviously, unfortunately, lose to the Kings, but very emotional, very um you know, just great to see him. And when he came out and he said, I missed you guys. I thought that was <laughs> such a, such a cool moment. You know, it, it brings tears to my eyes, you know, watching it at the time. And I thought it was, uh, it was really cool. Cause we missed him too. You know, it, it, when he went, when he was going to leave to go play for the Capitals, that was such a, a weird thing. And then obviously with the, with the, um, you know, his heart surgery and, and all that stuff that forced him to retire, obviously, uh, you know, the, he didn't get the, the proper send off really at the garden with, with COVID and everything. So having him come back and have that moment that really felt, uh, that really felt great. And, you know, I mean, I think a little bit too, I'm sure a lot of other, you know, lifelong Rangers fans feel it. It was a little bittersweet, you know, not having the, the cup there, you know, that that's the one yeah. thing that you could say is missing, uh, from his resume. Although, I would argue probably through no fault of his own, you know, he, <laughs> he did everything he could over 15, 16 years to, to get them there. And it just didn't happen. But I think, you know, he, he takes his rightful place, uh, you know, in the rafters amongst the other greats. And, you know, it'll be really special to uh, get to go back to the garden and see his, his banner up there. Uh, you know, when I go to the next game, I think that a couple of things come to mind. One is that you kind of point out like from that, that era, he's the guy. And I think, you know, when you see Messier and Leach and Graves and Richter sitting there, I mean, Mike Richter permanently looks 25. So that's, yeah. if you leave him out of it, but like Mark Messier is 60 years old, looks great for 60. I, let me point that out as, yep. as a guy who's not aging as gracefully as he is. Uh, I'm impressed that, that, you know, he still looks, you know, has this, has the jaw and the look and everything, but you start to realize like we're coming up on 30 years since the last Stanley cup. Now we're whatever, 28 years, um, and that's a that's a huge gap. That's a whole generation of fans that Henrik Lundqvist was their guy. And I think being able to see that banner up there for that generation and say, okay, one of my guys is up there. Like, I, you know, my dad or my uncle or my mom or whoever talks about 94 and all that stuff. And that's great. But like this guy was was it for us. 
uh, in the you know a fan who came of age in the 2000s and 2010s and it feels right because like you said there's no one more deserving from that era and i think just having that closure like you said um it means something you know you, you think about uh, you know you're looking at today tom brady announces his retirement and his first you know his, wrote about a thousand words on Instagram and not one of them was thank you to the Patriots. So right. got, you never know which way it's going to go. I mean, it, it's, it's sad that his career was forced to end because of the heart condition. Um, but I, you know, I did, did kind of wonder at the time from afar when he, when they bought him out, he's, he's a prideful guy. He's a human being like the rest of us. You, your ego gets bruised after all those years of success and all the things he gave to the Rangers. How would he feel playing, not just playing for another team, playing for a team in the division, a team in the division that he personally stabbed in the throat <laughs> Yes, playoff yes. year after playoff year for like five year, playoff seasons. It feels like every 3-1 comeback was against the Caps and Ovechkin pretty much. So it's one of those situations that you don't, it's good to not have the what if because uh, again, you know, unfortunate that his career ended the way it did, but also gave everybody some time to to get past whatever feelings were had and say like, look, you're a ranger for life. You come back, your banner goes up. It's not even a debate. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, you know, I think the, to that point, you know, one of his great, obviously physically gifted, he put in all the work at practice, your great article that you wrote, um, you know, ahead of the retirement with all of his backup goalies talking about, you know, the work ethic and how intense the guy was. But I think the other thing about him that made him so special and why he was, you know, uh, so clutch in game sevens and all the shutouts and everything is he's, he's mentally tough. He's able to deal with his emotions, um, you know, and process and kind of, you know, move past things. And I think, I think you're right. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of emotions going when, you know, he, he left the Rangers and was going to go play for the Capitals, but, um, you know that that's that's kind of been the hallmark of Henrik, Henrik Lundqvist over the course of his career. He's able to stay focused and and make the next save. And you know, I'm sure he was able to uh, you know process the the bad feelings or, or whatever you want to say, and um, you know, kind of look back on on the experience with the Rangers and playing his whole career there with with gratitude. And you know, uh, speaking as a fan, uh, I, I feel nothing but gratitude to him. You know, he put on some of the greatest performances. Um, you know, by a ranger in, in the history of the franchise. So it, it was really great to see. And I think the things that I learned in talking to all of his backups, which was great, was a lot of, you know, especially the guys that are still playing that came when he was already the king, you know, the Auntie Ranta, Cam Talbot, who were kind of a little bit uh, in awe of him when they first came to camp. Um, and just seeing the work, you know, I think people look at him and say, man, this like, I hate this guy. Like he's, <laughs> he's, he's a top goalie in the league good looking Swedish guy, you know, like there's a lot to, but you also, it makes you kind of fall into a trap of not understanding how much work he put in to get there. A guy who was an afterthought draft pick 20 years ago, who was lighting up the Swedish league during the, the full year NHL lockout playing against a lot of NHL players. And I think people were kind of focused elsewhere at that time. You know, the Rangers hadn't been good for years. Um, you know, there were kind of a transitional period. We were getting into the salary cap era. Younger guys were starting to come in. And I think, you know, hearing from Kevin Weeks that, that he was getting info from from Sweden saying, like, this guy's the real deal. And then he comes over and, and Steve Valaquette, who was in Russia, getting a, getting an email from Don Maloney, the Rangers assistant GM, saying, like, yeah, we're not so sure about this Lundqvist guy. You want to, Can you sign a deal and come back? And he was like, I don't know. I think the Russians might tie me up and throw me in the river if I decide to leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, 
week's understanding within a, a few games of that 0506 season that like this isn't my job you know this is his job this guy is going to is going to outwork everybody you know the the kind of the lightning strike of having him work with Benoit Allaire, who who's you know the most consistent quiet presence at the garden going from Lundqvist now to Igor Shosturkin and kind of being the goalie whisperer in his own right um you know that that marriage and then hearing the hearing him shout out Cass Marks the Rangers equipment guy who was kind of his his uh this kind of uh, right-hand man and all the equipment tinkering that he did, which was an aspect of him that I only knew a little bit about and hearing from the goalies that like, you know, he's adding padding to this and changing this. And, you know, you need every player in the NHL needs a good equipment guy. And to have a, a goalie who, who tinkers as much as Lundqvist did, Cass was really the guy. And I think that was, for me, the best moment of the whole ceremony was seeing Cass come out with the, the framed picture of with the pucks of all of Lundqvist shutouts from the playoffs in the regular season and the embrace that they had, uh, you know, Cass Marks was been treated for lung cancer this year and is still working through it um you know that was a special moment i think and probably the the moment that that broke lundquist up the most um but also just you know him making sure to make mention of the the medical staff and the equipment staff and you know that's the sign of a guy who who put the work in and knows who was there to help him put the work in and i think that's the thing that a lot of people never saw yeah no 100 percent. I, I mean the the cast marks moment was uh incredible and it's so cool that he you know had all the shutout pucks i don't know if that's like a typical thing that you know the uh the equipment manager is just like you know what this guy might be good let me start saving all his shutouts but that that's that's incredible that he did that and yeah that was definitely a a really um you know just touching moment and i I think you're right i I didn't realize that either when i again when i was reading your piece you know all the all the the amount of tinkering that he did with his pads and how he you know kind of influenced the new generation of goaltenders the way that they would do the lunquist loop under their skate and all this stuff. And that, you know, those are like the little details that, um, do go unnoticed. You know, it's like you see his play on the ice, but of course the fans aren't at every practice. You're not, you know, in the locker room watching him, you know, adjust where his, uh, you know, his pads sit and all this stuff. So, um, yeah, that was, that was all really, uh, really cool stuff. And, um, you know, as Kevin Weeks said, which I thought was very funny, where he was like, Weeksy, this guy's good. You know, he's saying in a speech, <laughs> that's, that's how it was when, you know, I'm watching him, you know, in 05 when he makes his debut, it, you see him play and you're like, who is this guy? Like, we're, you know, there's been a, a ton of, of goalies that have come through the Rangers organization, um, you know, that you hear certain things about or you don't hear anything about. And, you know, they have flashes here and there. But when, from the minute he stepped foot on the ice from his first game, you know, which ended up, back, I think, was a overtime loss to the Devils. It didn't really matter. He looked. He looked like the guy. And then, you know, over the course of the first month, you, you just knew that he was going to be uh, something special. And it turns out he he was the, you know, greatest goalie in the in the history of the franchise. All due respect to Mike Richter, who, of course, uh, brings us the cup in 94. Well, and and it's kind of, you know, to see Richter out there and to see Lundqvist out there. Now their banners are up there. And Igor Shosturkin's probably, you know, should be one of the Vezina finalists, if not the, the Vezina favorite at this point with the way that he's carried the team. Yep. Um, to think about the run of goaltending over the last 30, 3 30 years, um, just Richter, a little bit of a break when he had to retire early. Yep. Uh, Lundquist, right into Shesterkin, like, you better win. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Basically, I, what it comes down to is if you get that, that, that you make the right picks and get that lucky and everybody stays healthy enough, 
you know that that is a, a run that's almost unparalleled around the league in the in the cap era um and even just in the modern era to have so many such a run of of incredible goaltending you know Shesterkin isn't quite there yet and if he has kind of his annual month-long absence due to a groin injury it might get worse but yeah um it's uh it was kind of a nice moment that you know the the baton is officially passed now and Shesterkin is the next the next great ranger goalie and uh it you, know, you can get spoiled i would imagine watching all that for so many years yeah no doubt about it i mean the the i mean richter to lundquist obviously like you said there's a little bit of a shaky transition there you know there's the the dan blackburns and the the mike dunham's that time you know whatever we can we can list all the uh the goalies that came came in between but um to go from lundquist to shesterkin is is shocking i mean i you know obviously shesterkin he could arguably in be in the conversation for the hard trophy this year i mean he's been that that good um you know, it's just wild to think about it. It's he's really only played, you know, a full season basically because of the the shortened seasons with COVID and all that stuff. You know, he's working towards that. But um, you know, to see Lundqvist do it for fifteen years, you know, obviously right. that's it's quite quite a jump still for Igor. But he he so far has looked like the absolute real deal. And I love the fact that he has you know the little uh, the little Lundqvist um, <laughs> you know image on his helmet now to show show respect. And that that's the other cool thing about Igor. It seems like when he came in. He really did revere Henrik, and he showed the respect that you know the king deserved. And uh, you know, it's it's been a very seamless transition so far. So let's hope, uh, hopefully, we can get another uh, you know ten, fifteen years out of Igor. That'd be great. Yeah, he's no dummy. He knows he knows you gotta you gotta suck up to the the last guy so that <laughs> yeah, the fans right. get on your side. Yeah. Well, Chris, uh, thanks for making your your debut in our debut episode of the garden faithful this was uh, this was a good way to kick it off yeah please thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it and thank you uh to all the rangers fans who are checking us out for the first time we're we're definitely going to keep it going and uh look forward to uh you know hearing from the fans uh, give us give us some feedback on twitter whatever if you want to send us some emails or you know we'll, we'll uh we'll definitely be open to it but looking forward to uh, doing some more episodes with you arthur thank you man it's going to be fun. We've got lots of good guests lined up to, to come over the next few weeks. Some good analysis, a few mailbags. We'll open it up to questions wherever we can. If you've got any questions for us to answer on the podcast, you know where to find me on Twitter, State Athletic, or at a staple at theathletic.com. I always welcome emails. And basically, I just want to say thanks for listening to The Garden Faithful. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a five-star rating or review if you want. It helps us grow the show. Let's lets us know you're enjoying what you're hearing. You can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, annual subscriptions to The Athletic are just $3.99 a month. When you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. First episode of The Garden Faithful in the books. Thanks for listening, Ranger fans. We'll be back again next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.